Yo, 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 John. Hey, Brandon. How's it going, man? Good, buddy. How are you doing? Doing well. Doing well. Weather's been beautiful. It's a great time of the year. Holidays coming up. So, no, things are... Life is grand right now. I love it. It's good to hear. The weather here today is cloudy and it's about to storm. It's 65 out, and tomorrow's going to be, I think, 41 will be the high tomorrow. We've got a big cold front getting ready to hit, which I love. Kind of strange weather in Arkansas today. No, I'm with so, you. We're hitting a cold front, too. It's going to be like, you know, 60. Yeah, yeah. Get out <laughs> your heavy jacket. <laughs> I remember when I lived in Arizona. If it was 65 degrees, all the girls had jackets and beanies on. And, right. You know, they were yeah. just Dressed like Eskimos. Wait. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Scarves. Exactly. Mittens. 60, yeah. 65 degrees. And um, then you meet somebody like we talked to last time, Rob, who I just saw him post something the other day. It was minus six degrees or something <laughs> where he's at. So that's probably still t-shirt probably weather shorts. for him. Yeah, yeah exactly. exactly. Crazy. You know, when I lived, in Arizona, I lived in Arizona for 18 years, and I got to the point where heat, I was almost immune to heat. It'd be 120 degrees. I didn't care. And people would come from Wisconsin or Canada or anywhere, and they're like dying, dying. But you're just so acclimated to it. You're like, oh, what, right. man, it's 120, whatever. You know, hey, don't stand out in the sun all day, but it's not that big of a deal. Right. But I think it's the same with cold weather. I think, you know, if you're in, in Alaska for 20 years, you just get acclimated. So we're negative 30. It's like, eh, it's cold, but, you know, yeah, whatever. whatever. I'd say first thing to discuss today, we were going to interview Martin Haddock, in the UK, but we are right. having some audio issues. So we're going to postpone that interview till next week. We have received quite a bit of emails, messages, whatever, since we announced last week that Martin and Ashley were going to be distributing Kodiak Pro. Right. But in we're really UK. excited about it in the UK. Yeah. So we're really excited about that. They're going to be stocking product. It seems that there's a lot of demand for Kodiak Pro in the UK. Like I said, we're just excited to get that going over there and support them and help grow high-end decorative concrete in the UK and in surrounding countries. If you're you know, somewhere in Europe that you import from the UK, it makes more sense than, than importing from the United States. Martin would be the person to talk to. So, Yeah, and Martin, I mean, he's a lot of energy, very, very excited. What I really like about Martin, too, yeah, I mean, obviously I'm humbled that he's moving the Kodiak direction, the ICT direction. But his reasons for doing it to improve his quality and I don't know, he's really excited about moving an entirely new direction based on, well, I don't know what he's done. He's been doing this for five, seven years, something like that. And Ashley's been right there with him the whole way. So, yeah, it's, it's, it's always fun for me to communicate with those or with anybody really who's really, really excited about what they're doing. It, it brings me the excitement again and the joy of why I'm still doing this. I had a person contact me. I'm trying to think who it was. It was uh, another buyer in Canada. So we've had several orders shipped to Canada as of late, but it was another customer in Canada bought his very first pallet of Maker Mix, and he's going to try it out. And if he likes it, he'll be buying two to three pallets a month of Maker Mix, which is great. But I was, I was telling him, you're not going to regret it. It is the best mix you ever use. And for me, Every time I cast it, you know, I've cast it, I don't know, maybe a hundred times now. I've mixed and cast Maker Mix. 
But every time I do, it still continues to impress me. It comes out, I'm like, oh my God, look at this. Look at this. It just continues. I, I, I still have not gotten used to the level of quality because, you know, for all those years, I was used to air pockets and streaking of color from it running down the form and just all these different kind of collateral imperfections of casting concrete that I'm not getting with Maker Mix. It continues to impress me. And I think anybody that makes the change over to this product line will be equally impressed. I just, I, I don't see anybody making the switch and not seeing a dramatic increase in quality, performance, color, sealer, strength. Everything about the, the material is so much better. Well, obviously I agree. Taking it from a, a very different point of view, Jason Robertson called me yesterday and we got, an, we actually was a conversation about reinforcement. He had a very large table, you know, he, he actually contacted me and Dusty Baker and uh, I think actually Chuck, all people that we've had in podcasts. And the first thing he hit me back was like, man, John, you know, three different people, three different ways of looking at this and what's your comfort zone. So once we had our discussion about my point of view, the funniest thing went to our, our conversation about the materials he's using and how it fits so much into what he's doing now, I think a lot of people, even listening to this podcast right now or listening to the other podcasts, I often believe, and I could be wrong about this, but because you and me talk about this new level that we're excited about, it gets discounted with the idea that like, oh, of course, they're trying to sell us something or, or of course they'd say that because, and what people don't realize is Brandon and I and these materials are coming from a point of view of using the materials. And literally, you know, I just sent a vanity out of the shop. Uh, what's today? Wednesday? So Monday, uh, sent a vanity out of the shop. And, and that's the point of view that, that I take my excitement from. And that's if, if, if I can get anything across to anybody to try these materials I can't, for the life of me, see how anybody would look back. Unfortunately, it does come off as we're being salesmen because we do love the materials, but we love the materials not because we're salesmen, but because we're actual users of the materials. We're not salesmen. We're people that do this for a living. We're people that have done this for a living for decades, and this is the first product ever that has met all the criteria that we always wanted a material to meet. So it's the first one to check all the boxes. And so that's why we're excited about it. That's why other guys are excited about it. That's why Kodiak Pro is growing as fast as it's growing and we're expanding as fast as we're expanding. Speaking of expansion, we obviously are gonna be distributing in the UK. We're talking to a potential distributor in Israel at the moment. I just wanna put it out there to people in Israel or in countries uh, surrounding Israel that might be doing concrete, that it might make more sense to import your products from Israel versus the United States. If you're in that region and you're interested in a distributor being over there, if you're somebody says, hey, yeah, I want Kodiak Pro, sign me up to be notified when you have a distributor in Israel, reach out to us. Go to the KodiakPro.com website, send us an email, tell us where you're located, and we'll add you to a mailing list. And as that progresses, we'll keep you updated. And that way, if uh, if we do move forward with that distributorship, you can place an order for product and, and have Kodiak Pro there. Yeah, that's exciting. It's just great that 
Kodak Pro is starting to kind of get international reach and get to people that have never had access to these materials because right. this distributorship came through a potential customer that is having horrible, horrible results with the materials that they have on hand where they're located. They're doing a lot of volume, but the product quality has been horrible. From mixed materials to sealer, mm -hmm. what they have available in that region does not meet the demands of this product, of our product, meaning countertops, sinks, furniture, tile. And so it's exciting to kind of get Kodiak Pro to areas that have never had access to that. You know, I'd love that to is. get Kodiak Pro rocking and rolling in Australia. I think Australia, we did a class there, and Australians love concrete, which I love about Australia. I would love to get a totally legit onboard awesome distributor going in Australia um, carrying Kodiak Pro because I think that market is just dying for something as good as this because what they have currently is what we had forever. It's good. It's not great. And so I think that's a market where they could really benefit from a great product that meets all the requirements that we that we expect. Well, there's an here's an update on Australia. They are getting ready to at least his name's I've been speaking to him. They're looking to open three or four locations in, in Australia related to what they're doing. So I think there are going to be some major strides in Australia. First, they need to get past all the pandemic stuff because that's been pretty a lot of really pretty harsh lockdowns and stuff out over there. And once they do, I believe starting next year, they've been talking to me about getting more Kodiak products over there and gain more traction, higher quality than what they're currently using over there. So, you know, I, I think that's going to go that direction. I think they're just in a tough spot right now. Yeah, well, we'll see what happens. I mean, maybe we put that info in the podcast. Maybe we don't because, you know, Trinic and Fishstone will be hitting up tomorrow. Um, <laughs> People are funny. Uh, you know, we're just going to keep doing what we're doing. I'm excited about what we're doing. I think those people who, who are moving the direction with us are very excited about what we're doing, the materials, the product quality that they're pulling off. So, yeah, this it's a great time to be at a whole new level, far above anything else that's been presented to anybody. Since we don't have a guest this week, maybe me and you should talk about something concrete related. What, what do you want to talk about? I'm actually going to post some stuff on the ICT group and, and the CDS group. So we just finished a workshop. Most people that are familiar with our materials, we all do some version of acid washing, specifically muriatic acid or acetic acid. Do not use any of the muriatic acid alternatives, often referred to as green acids. If anybody's watched us do it, I got, I got some pictures from someone who acid washed and then went to seal and he couldn't, he, he, it was, in fact, I couldn't even tell by the uh, pictures that he sent me what it looked like, if this makes sense, it was a dark gray background. And then you saw this white haze. And he said the white haze developed after or during the sealing process. But it, what it looked like in the pictures is, you know, when you put an x-ray up and the light shines through the x-ray mm -hmm. and you see the darks and the lights and so forth, that's what it looked like as it was shining through. So we had a conversation about his process and what direction he was going. 
meaning from start to finish, acid washing, rinsing, etc. What he figured out was in the rinsing process, so this is something we show in the workshops, this is something we talk about, scrub the surfaces down to remove any acid residue that may be left. As an example, if anybody wants to try this, if you acid wash your concrete and just do a simple rinse and you let that surface dry, but don't wipe it down with a cloth, don't do any of this kind of stuff. If you grab another Scotch-Brite pad and rub that surface, what you're gonna see is, you know, this powderish junk that needs to be wiped off the surface. That's what I'm referring to as acid wash residue. So what was happening was he was sealing that residue into the surface and then creating, so it wasn't the sealer turning white or anything. What it was doing is actually highlighting that acid fleck or whatever we want to call it, that acid wash residue, which then was leaving the surface with this very weird, obscured. I mean, like you could see the wipe pattern. You could see every place where he had rinsed, but let's say not really scrubbed the acid residue off. So there's a little tip. Yeah, I'm actually going to be posting some photos about that. I think it was, it was another one. I think uh, McRae hit me on that one day too. So if anybody sees the way we do it, yeah, you definitely want, in the rinsing process, the surfaces need to be scrubbed down as well with the rinse water, not just hosed off and then dried. The video that I have, I think it's still up. I don't know. I mean, I, I made it a couple years ago. It's on my Vimeo channel. If you go to Vimeo, you can find it under Gore Design Company. But I show the process, which is just that. Let me go through my process of how I acid etch concrete. And I do it differently than John does. And I do it differently than Dusty does. Everybody has their own way that works for the look they're going for and their kind of workflow. But for me, this is what has worked best for me. Step one, I demold my piece. I flip it over. I hit the edges with a diamond hand pad to clean up any of the you know, imperfections from the silicone, just get the edges all nice with the diamond hand pad. If there's, there's an internal radius, I use 220 wet sandpaper. I get that internal radius where a diamond hand pad wouldn't be able to work. Once I'm done with that, I clean the entire surface with simple green. So I miss the surface with simple green degreaser. This is just a step to get any oil, wax, silicone residue, anything that might repel the acid, which I've had happen specifically on sinks, when I do several coats of wax and I do a spray release, that can absorb into the concrete and then create some uh, repelling action against the acid. It'll eventually come off, but it creates an uneven acid etch versus the surfaces that don't have that. So I always clean the concrete with simple green, give it a quick light scrub with a green Scotch-Brite, rinse that off. And then while it's still wet, I do a six to one dilution of muriatic acid and water. Six parts water, one part acid. I put it in a pump-up sprayer, like a two-gallon pump-up sprayer, and I just spray the surface. And I keep it wet. I don't stop. So I'm not scrubbing because that's very difficult to stay with. If you're trying to scrub a piece, um, a lot of times it'll be drying off in areas where you're not catching up to it. So I just walk around the piece. It, it can be a huge piece. And you can just keep doing laps around it, just spraying it with this pump-up sprayer. And I do that for a couple minutes and I can feel the surface with, with, a, with uh, a gloved hand, you know, I'll just touch it. You don't want to touch it with 
bare hands because it does have muriatic acid, but I'll touch it and I can feel um, the resistance. It kind of feels like 220 sandpaper. That's kind of what I'm looking for. And when it gets to that point, I stop spraying with acid and I immediately rinse it off with clean water. So that stops the acid reaction at that point. So I rinse it off. Then I take a green scotch sprite and I scrub the entire surface. And that is what gets rid of all the residue that John just discussed. So that's when you actually expose the sand and you get that cream layer off. So I scrub the surface really, really good, rinse it with water. And at that point, you can see like all the color wash off. You know, you look at the water running off the edge of the piece and you see it's the color of the concrete because all that residue is in it. And then I dry the surface. So I take a squeegee, I squeegee off the water. Then I take a microfiber towel or paper towels and I dry off any areas that are still wet and I let it dry. And I let that dry for a day or two before I move on to sealing. At that point, if there's any streaking, like maybe when you scrubbed it with the scotch bright, you rinsed it with water, you didn't get a spot really well that happens almost on every piece. I can take a scotch bright at that point, lightly buff it, blow it off of there, wipe it with a paper towel. And then when I seal it, there's not a splotchy area where there was still some residue that I didn't get off. So that's what I do with every single piece. I find it to be very quick, very even. Um, it's uniform. It's easy to do. I don't have any streaking issues or splotchy uh, acid etching issues. So that's how I do it. That's a good method. That's a great method. Yeah. Some would say see, it's the best method. No, see, you lost me at the whole put the gloves on and don't touch it. So I use, because <laughs> <laughs> I like to spray the full strength acid and let it drip on my feet. And <laughs> While you're smoking a cigarette? <laughs> smoking a cigarette. Yeah. No, I, same thing. I think I, I do very similar to what you're doing, uh, similar dilution rates. The only difference is for me, but again, this has to do with my finishes, is I spray it on dry, soak the surfaces. Same idea, rinse. But the big part of that final rinse is scrubbing. You know, scrub, I like the, uh, they're actually the 3M7440B is in boy, the, I don't know, they're kind of the brown, aggressive Scotch-Brite pads, and that B, removes... B is, B is Bravo, by the way. The phonetic alphabet, B is Bravo, not boy. Boy, boy okay. is weird. It's Bravo. Okay, B is in bastard. I use the 7440B is <laughs> bastard. Bravo. Bravo. Alpha, and, Bravo, Charlie, Echo, Foxtrot. Yeah. Come on now. And what's X? X is Xylene? X-ray. X-ray. Okay. No, that... Is it X? I thought it would be X. Yeah, whatever. No. Uh, there you X go, man. I wasn't in the military, ray. so well, I just make up my own. I keep running. Every time I cast it. You should see me right now. You should, all the color just drained out of my face. <laughs> I was talking to Scott Telford uh, yeah. yesterday. So Scott's, Scott's buying some more Maker Mix. But I was talking to Scott. We were talking, and uh, he's like, yeah, let's, I listened to the podcast, and I heard John say casted. He's like, I wondered if you're going to call him out on it. And then like one minute later, you're like, did you just say casted? <laughs> <laughs> I told him, I said, dude, legit, every single time John talks, he'll say casted. Yeah. And it drives me bananas. That's not a word. It's a made up word. It's cast. Yeah. But it's all a no mute e. point. It's just a mute uh, point. I brought that up too. <laughs> John is mute point. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, that's funny. Hey, you know, speaking of Scott, and I know this goes another direction, 
it's a cool thing. You know, I think more people around the country need to start and maybe we need to figure out how to put something together where people can, you know, I don't know, let's use the word buddy up on on buying a pallet, have it sent to a, to a certain location and everybody, you know, or who's in it can split it up. We do have yeah. a distributor, Joe Bates. He does deal with smaller quantities, but if there's, you know, three or four people in a nearby area, which is kind of what you're doing, right? Didn't you say like three or four people were coming to, you know, grab bags off your pallet? Yeah. So we did this class and I had a brand new pallet, but we ended up using quite a bit of it. And I have some client pieces I have to cast next week. And I did the calculations of what I needed and I came up one bag short. I kind of put the word out on Facebook and said, hey, does anybody need any maker mix? I'm thinking about buying a pallet. I don't, I have a couple projects to do, but then it's going to be some time before I do the next one. Right away, three people contacted. It turns out, essentially, they're going to take pretty much the entire pallet. I'll take the bag I need, and then they're going to take the rest of it. But that brought up a really interesting thought was these guys need the mix, but they don't need a pallet. So it might make sense, and we're trying to think of the best way to do it. And kind of the idea that I came up with is on the Kodiak Pro Facebook page, we'll do a discussion board where we have all the states listed. And if you're in, I don't know, let's say Wyoming, you could post hey guys, I need to get some uh, maker mix. Anybody else in Wyoming need maker mix? And you guys could band together, order that pallet, amortize the cost of the freight amongst the bags and divvy it up however you want and save on on mix that way. So that's what has happened with Scott and um, I'm trying to think who else is coming. Aaron Mankin and Cole Reeves, they're going to come up and, and buy you know, 15, 20 bags each. It worked out really well and it got me thinking that that's a good way to, to do things, kind of a co-op, kind of a concrete co-op, a local co-op there you go. all around the United concrete States where guys just, yeah, join together, save that freight rate, you know, and if somebody in that co-op gets to the pro level, well, then you're saving 11% as well. So if you get to the pro level status where you've spent $8,000 with us, it's just a one-time thing too, by the way, that benchmark, once you reach that 8,000 price point, it's not per year. You don't have to do it every year. Once you reach that, with Kodiak Pro, then you are pro pricing from that point forward. If anybody in your co-op reaches that pricing, then you'll get, you know, if you guys split it up, then you'll get that savings as well. It could work out to be a, a pretty good way for smaller companies that don't need two to three pallets at a time to get Maker Mix or Rad Mix or TBP. Exciting. Yeah. Like that. So exciting. exciting. So, so exciting. exciting. No, that's a good, again, that's the whole idea. I mean, obviously we've, some people, we work in big shops, little shops, still out of our garages sometimes, hex, you know, sometimes maybe under our, a cover, who knows, but yeah, under a cover. Mean, yeah, you know, like, a, who, the guy from Oasis, I remember when he started, he basically was under a carport cover. That's where he started, mm, you know? Yeah. And now he's gotten huge. But, you know, they're, they're definitely. But so trying to find a place to store a pallet can be difficult. I but think yeah, Chuck Fournier started in a closet, didn't he? Well, he still hasn't come out of it, though. <laughs> Maybe he did. I don't Maybe know. Maybe he did. I don't did know. Did he come out of the closet? I like Chuck. Yeah. But didn't he start in a closet? I feel like he did. I could be wrong. You might be right. I don't know. I could be. Usually I am. We all come from, we all come from humble beginnings. Hey. Yeah. Another thing to talk about is we're going to have some new apparel coming out soon, which is a lot of fun. And it's things that I think me and you relate to. And I think maybe our audience will as well. Our clients, our customers, our 
compadres, the Kodiak Pro family. You know, me and you, I, I don't think anybody would argue that we've kind of been the outcast of the concrete industry for 20 years. Why that is, I don't know. It is what Not it is. Not me, man. I'm openly, uh, yeah, embraced across. <laughs> right? I mean, just a minute ago, we reached out to another company that we talk about and uh, got turned down from them. I'm yeah, not sure why. Okay. I think it's because of you. But it's definitely me. <laughs> it's definitely you. When in doubt, blame it on me. Oh, Always. blame it on Brandon. But yeah. yeah, I don't know. And why is that, man? I don't know why. You know, we're like the, I don't know. We're treated like the bastards or something. Like the concrete uh, bastards, maybe? The concrete bastards. There you go. Mm. We are That'd definitely. But you know what? That was what makes it fun, too. You know, we, yeah. we definitely don't stay in the norm we um, constantly are innovating, setting new bars, and that's probably what pisses people off sometimes, to be honest with you. Or maybe not pisses them off, but you know, I'm sure they get tired of you. What comes to mind is that Obama, I don't know what you would call it, like a little uh, comedy reel they did where he's like- <laughs> those, those were the best. They <laughs> were to dunk his cookie and it wouldn't go yeah. in the glass of milk. He's like, thanks, Obama. Thanks, Obama. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah, right. the, uh, I, I kind of see that happening in an industry like, you know, some guy goes out to his truck and the tire's flat. He's like, thanks, Brandon. Thanks, man. <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah. Yeah. So anyway, but. Or when they finally move this direction, like we've talked about over and over again, and they find out that they can use a third less pigment, which costs money, then they could especially be. Especially now. Yeah, especially now. I just ordered some pigment that isn't some crazy exotic pigment, but I just ordered some pigment for a project that's like 30 some dollars a pound. Wow. And that adds up fast, really yeah. fast. So, yeah, I mean, pigment's just skyrocketing in price right now. So, yeah, so that's a big thing. Speaking of kind of going back to what we were just discussing of me and you kind of being the the outcast, the there's also has been some misconception that people think I'm angry at them or I don't like them or whatever. I, I mean, I've just heard from some people, you know, they'll be like, yeah, I talked to so-and-so and he wants to buy Kodiak Pro, but he thinks you don't like him. Listen, I like everybody. There's nobody I don't like. So if, if you're for whatever reason on the fence and you're like, yeah, I want to try the product, but I don't, I don't think Brandon likes me or I don't think John likes me, which I don't think is as much of a problem as I don't think Brandon likes me. I think that's more likely. But if you don't think I like you, I like you. I like you just fine. Believe me. I don't carry any ill will. Everything's water under the bridge. Call us. We're happy to, See, we're happy to me, welcome you. Everybody knows who talks arms. to me. Yeah, I, I carry grudges. Yeah, I don't. Yeah. <laughs> I'm Life's the hard one to get along with. It is too short. That is the reality. It's way too short. Build back a community. We're slowly building it back up. It's it's going great. So it's it's like, and and now we're jumping around. You were on pigments. Yeah. How long before we have pigments available? I just saw. I mean, you just emailed me <clears throat> the um, labels and stuff. They look fantastic. Mm -hmm. So do we know a timing on that? We don't. So the labels are being printed. When they get to the blender then hopefully we'll be good to go. I know that titanium white is in great demand right now and there's shortages of it, but I think our blender does have an allocation to where they can fulfill our needs for titanium white pigment. So I think we'll be live with pigment hopefully in the next few weeks and that'll be on our website and you can order that direct through the Kodiak Pro website. 
by the way, that will ship direct from the blender. So you don't have to order a pallet of Maker Mix. With TBP, you do have to order a pallet of Maker Mix because uh, TBP yeah. rides with the pallet. But with the pigment, it doesn't go from uh, that distributor. It goes from the actual blender, ships direct. So if you're in the middle of a project and you need 20 pounds of slate or stone, place it on the website and it'll ship, ship out right away. And just so people listening, there's a specific reason why we're doing this. And I'm going to digress to things. Just remember who we're talking to. John Schuler, Brandon Gore. We have our own shops. We do our own things. So we're trying to set up even the materials from the most cost-effective way possible. And in this case, it was getting hold of a manufacturer. They're going to be making them and then drop shipping from their location rather than shipping, storing, shipping again. So I'm excited about that. So I'm really hoping that we, when it's said and done, we come in with a very good product, affordable product, and a high quality product. And that is something that every decision that we've made so far has been from the viewpoint of what is best for the end user. So as an actual fabricator, as a user of the product, what would I want? And that's kind of the way we've been approaching all these different things. You're 100% right on the reason we're doing it that way. What else, John? PVA, you wanna talk about PVA shortages? Or are we gonna send yeah, people in a panic? Uh, you know, it is what it is. But yeah, everything's in shortage. I mean, there's just no way around it. PVA and AR class are becoming harder and harder to, to find right now because of the, the blockages with freight at the ports. John and I are working on sourcing some alternative sources essentially and uh, having products we're testing it right now nothing is certain but hopefully those pan out and we'll have a reliable supply of, of fiber yeah i just got in i mean they literally just came in yesterday a new supplier of bundle ar glass fiber so i need to put them through the test and then i reached out today and yesterday for some alternative suppliers for the pvas so we'll yeah. see what happens. But again, Kodiak Pro family, Daddy John and Daddy BG are looking out for you. We're doing everything we can to keep the flow of products coming because we need the flow of products. You, know, oh, just, you had me laughing. No, I'm not looking out for other people. I'm almost out of 15s. <laughs> I just looked today. <laughs> and I'm like, what? Or I just talked to Joe yesterday who said he cleaned out the Reynolds in LA for all the PVA 100s. And then I had to chew his butt on the phone because I'm like, look, man, I got a project coming up and I think I have two bags of 100s left. So I'm going to be headed to Napa to like steal it from him or something. So yeah, so clearly we need uh, more supply. We're trying to source those different avenues of supply to keep the flow, you know, going because if we can't get fiber, then we, we're dead in the water and we don't want that. And we don't want that for our clients either. So we're doing everything we can to help find a solution. So that's what I'm going to say. Anybody who's involved you know, get on the Kodiak Pro website, Concord Design School website, the ICT Group website. You know, I mean, Brandon and I are, are very open as we continue to grow Kodiak. We are open to materials and supplying materials or, or finding sources of materials. We just talking to the to the potential in Israel who can't find certain things. So we'll do what I can. 
I know what we could talk about real quick, and that is the videos we released. So the last podcast, they were still being oh, edited. Right. They are now live, so you can find those on Vimeo, and you can find them on YouTube. We have a channel on YouTube for Kodiak Pro. So visit that. So it's five short videos. They cover proper curing, casting an SEC GFRC sink, upright casting concrete, spraying a face coat, and how to seal using ICT. And they're very short videos. They're very to the point. We didn't want to bore you with 10 minutes of, you know, just whatever. So they're direct. They're to the point. But it's really good information. It's the basics. It's the foundation. But it's good information. So take a look at those. And in time, we're going to add to that library of product knowledge. Uh, so that's out there. And the other thing I want to hit on is something that me and John want to do. We're going to schedule it here soon. And that's going to be a... I mean, I don't know what we want to call it, an open house, a Kodiak Pro open house to where yeah, open studio. You're, yeah, open studio. If you're in the concrete industry or if you're interested in getting into the concrete industry, you haven't ever cast concrete, you haven't used our products, we're going to send a day where you can come here to Northwest Arkansas. We're going to demonstrate products. We'll do some light training. We'll show you the basics of stuff, how to mix, how to cast, how to seal. You know, we'll have a good time. And uh, well, it'll be, you know, kind of the, a very kind of Pinnacle Concrete Camp light in the sense of it'll be the experience of what it is to be in a Kodiak Pro family. So you'll have a good time right here. But that'll be a one-day event, and we're looking at scheduling that hopefully here early spring. That's what we're shooting for. So keep an eye on the website. If you want updates, go currently. I haven't set it up on the Kodiak Pro site, but if you go to concretedesignschool.com, scroll down to the bottom. There's an email sign up at the bottom of that page. Sign up for email updates, and when we make a decision on the date, I'll send an email blast, and you can be notified on when that will be. But we definitely want to start getting it out there and, and putting it in people's hands and showing them how to use it and showing them what the end result is, and then people can can be part of the Kodiak Pro family. And next year, we, I think we're talking, Joe's pretty busy, so and Napa can get expensive with rooms. So we're talking about trying to do the same thing at Joe's or at my place, but I'd have to clean up my shop. <laughs> so th that would work out as well. I mean, I'm excited. I, I still say continually, and I probably overuse that word, but you know, when people get a point of reference and get these materials in their hands, that's when it starts making sense. That's when they start seeing and noticing what the difference was rather than just, you know, hearing two guys on a podcast, you know, talking about it. I mean, even this last workshop, watching people use something that they haven't used before and see it turn out in a way far beyond what they were expecting because they didn't know what to expect. I mean, that's, that in of itself just keeps me, I don't know, in an extremely positive spirit. It continues to just completely astound me what these materials can do. And I hate that this podcast is a commercial for Kodiak Pro because I, I hear that from guys. Oh, maybe you guys should talk about something besides Kodiak Pro. But you know what? Screw that. Kodiak Pro is insane, brother. Get it. It's yeah, but people have to be aware because, right, I mean, you called me, I don't know, just a couple days ago, and you were talking about the tables that, or excuse me, the chairs that we did in the workshop. <laughs> And you were trying to sand on them for a second, right? And they were uh, so let me tell you about that. They Hold were on. so hard that you Here's broke your knee. I've learned. Yeah. Yeah. Here's a lesson I've learned. So during the class, 
said, what do you grind the back of concrete or the edge of concrete that's exposed? What do you grind that with? I said a silicon carbide grinding wheel, which is sold by granite suppliers. They use them to grind the back stainless labs. They're about two inches thick. If you know what it is, if you're in Europe, it's about 51 millimeters thick. So it's pretty darn thick. Anyway, I've been using these things for 20 years. Never had a problem. But in the class, people asked me what I use. And so I, I took one out. It was on the grinder. And I sat it out. But it sat on a table off to the side all week long for six days. And people are looking at it. They're taking photos of it, picking it up, sat it down. Now, I have a feeling that somewhere along the line, maybe it got bumped off a table and it fell and cracked the stone. I don't know. But what I do know is the first time used after the class, I took one of the chairs out there that the class had cast. And I was going to grind the area where they poured the concrete into to smooth it out. So I start grinding. I'm three seconds into it. And that silicon carbide grind wheel explodes like incredibly violent explosion. And I have it at knee height because I have the shirt tilted on its side and I'm grinding. It explodes, hits me right in the kneecap. And it was like getting kicked by a mule in the knee. I fell over. Luckily, I had helper here helping me that day. He heard an explosion. Comes running outside. I'm laying on the ground. I'm like, hey, bro, I think I broke my knee. Help me get up. So swelled up huge. Uh, you know, it is what it is. But lesson learned. Yeah, that was a hard conversation when you called me. I always remember. I was, was still hard, trying to. Who's a hard well, because for? Hard, you were hard for me. because I, no, I was it, was, it was a tough one, man. You were in a really emotional state. Was and, I? Was I know, crying? I was trying to get some answers from you, like what you wanted for dinner or something. <laughs> uh, <laughs> so, John, John's telling the inside joke. But let me tell you, when I'll tell you what the joke is. It's not even a joke. I mean, it's something that happened. When I was uh, working here building my studio and my house, I was on a hillside in my excavator, and I was clearing trees, and it was at dusk, and I ended up rolling the excavator down the hill. And I nearly died, very close to death. And I called my wife, who we had a cabin at the time that we're renting that, you know, was like an hour away. But I called her right when it happened. Like, I, I literally was upside down. I crawled out of the thing. All the glasses exploded. It's all busted out. I climbed out of the excavator. I call her. Hey, I just rolled the excavator down the hill. She's like, okay, are you okay? I'm like, yeah. And she's like, okay, what do you want for dinner? I was like, huh? <laughs> she's like, do you want spaghetti? Like, what do you feel like? And I'm like, I almost died. She's like, yeah, yeah, but you didn't. So yeah. do you want lasagna? Like, what do you feel like? So anyways, <laughs> uh, yeah, when, when this happened to my knee, John called me like literally three minutes after. I'm like right. here in my studio with my leg propped up and thinking my knee was broken. Like I legit thought, like, thought that it broke my kneecap. And John calls and he's like, hey, what's going on? I'm like, yeah, I think I broke my knee. And John's like, cool story. So did you get that email about uh, <laughs> that client email? <laughs> Like, what is it with people? Nobody cares, man. Nobody cares. You know? No, they do. They do care. Yeah, I'm just a concrete bastard, John. I'm just a That's concrete right, bastard. Buddy. That's all I know. <clears throat> I need a little I'm gonna I'm gonna put some violin music in the podcast at this point. Some sad violin go. music. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. Good times. Exactly. Cool. Well, anything else that you want to hit before we wrap this up? I don't think so, man. I'll get okay. to, you know, just finish this out. I, I look forward to talking with Ashley and Martin next time. Uh, you know, next week. 
next week. Yeah. So yeah. that's, that's going to be great. I'm, I'm excited about that market over there. I'm excited to bring a new level of materials over there. You know, I think, right. You've already gotten quite a few emails. I know I get guys hitting me mostly via is instant messenger about yeah. when materials are going to be available over there. Let me, let me say something about that real quick, because I get a ton of direct messages on Instagram from people overseas, the UK, mm-hmm. wherever. Don't, don't message us via Instagram. The reason is we can't search Instagram to find those messages. Right. And so if it's a month later and I'm like, oh, I want to share with so-and-so because I remember they reached out about the UK, I can't ever find that message again. There's, you know, I probably get 10 to 15 direct messages a day. So a month later, it's just, it's lost. So do us a favor, email us through the Kodiak Pro website, and that way we can search the email and find you and send you an update to let you know. So email us, don't DM us. And I think Martin's, he's trying to plan a workshop in January, right? I don't know. Something like that. Yeah, I don't know. We'll, We'll get the scoop on it when we talk to him next week. Sounds like a plan, Stan. All right, well, until next time. All right, buddy. Enjoy your afternoon. We'll talk to you later. Adios. Adios.